Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show, where for the first time ever, my introduction is going to be uh, co-hosted. Now, uh, since I started the show, I've been inundated with requests for this person to appear via Facebook, Twitter, direct messaging, Instagram, iMessages, WhatsApps, emails, and phone calls. So joining me to introduce this episode is my dad, Kit who is desperate to appear. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so you're helping me introduce this episode of the podcast where I'm interviewing Sam Baker. Okay, but I'm just coming up, coming down from a high, you oh. understand. Well, I've just had a flat white, yes. and I've been listening to the theme song from Big Little Lies mm-hmm. by Michael Kivanuka. Right. And it is fantastic. It is. I recommend it to anyone. But you haven't watched the show. Not yet, but you tell me it's good, so yes. I might. so I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Sam Baker's on the show in this episode, so... Tell me about Sam Baker. I shall. Uh, Sam Baker's someone who I've known for a very long time, who, back in the day when I said, please could I go to journalism college, she's the person that I wanted to grow up to be. Uh-huh. I wanted to be like Sam Baker, because she's edited many, many magazines, and she has done that incredible thing where she's been an expert in print magazine journalism and now she has transposed her skills into an online platform format which is uh, a website called The Pool. Boy, that's really good. Mm, Tell me about The Pool now. Well, so The Pool is uh, a website Mm -hmm. that is... Again, it's like a, it's like transposing magazines. So you've got long reads, you've got short reads, you've got beauty, you've got more politically uh, aware and accurate stuff. You've got opinion pieces. So it's a very great resource, and she tells us all about how she came to do that. So um, that's what you're going to get from this episode of the show. So she sounds like another one of these really, really clever female entrepreneurs. Indeed, she is, which is why I was desperate to um, unpick her path to success and tell you what brill i'm going to check out now we've got a thing to do so right okay bye that means that he's going to go and tend to the garden i on the other hand i'm going to tell you that if you're listening to the show on itunes i would be very grateful if you could go over leave me a five-star review and maybe a written rating to say just how much you're enjoying it and as ever if you want to get in touch with the show you can email the beauty podcast at gmail.com or why not tweet me at emma guns or comment under any of my 
wonderful pictures that I spend far too much time curating on Instagram. I'm at Emma Guns over there too. But without any further ado, and because I have an itchy co-host who is desperate to get out to tend to some sort of shrubbery, please do enjoy this episode of The Emma Guns Show featuring Sam Baker. So as you heard in that introduction, I am here with uh, founder and, or co-founder, co-founder very important. of The Pool, Sam Baker. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for coming and sitting in our new office, which is empty of anything except for desks and cardboard boxes. <laughs> yeah, so to set the scene, listeners, I'm at The Pool. I'm not in a boardroom. I'm actually in the office, in the hub, where all of that wonderful, brilliant editorial happens. So you may hear the clickety-clack of keyboards and the odd rumble of conversation because we are we're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so much to ask you about, but let's start with the pool because I'm here in this area. You've got all these lovely quotes. I'm guessing these are from devoted fans and readers of the website. Yes, yeah. So, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so there's one just next to Sam's head saying, your team is doing a fantastic job, never has an editorial line spoken to me in quite the same way. So many yes, that's it, exactly moments. How was the pool born? Oh, gosh. Um, it was like it was a bit like, well, by the time we launched, it was a bit like we gave birth to an adolescent, really. Because <laughs> it felt like we'd spent so long in development. Um, I had been editing... Uh, well, I've edited lots of magazines um, prior to this, so I'd edited Just 17, Company, Cosmo and Red. And I just started to feel, and I apologise if I'm sniffing because I'm a bit snotty, sorry. It's okay, it's the season. It's the season, it's always the season mm. for me. Um, uh, I had edited loads of magazines and I just started to feel like, the truth was people had stopped buying magazines, but there was still a real appetite for great content mm. that wasn't being delivered on the internet. Or it was if you knew where to look, but lots of right. people didn't have the time or the inclination mm. to look, maybe. So, um, also I felt like I was starting to knock on a bit, and I didn't <laughs> want to be one of those people who was clinging on to my job, like, you know, with my hair and my teeth falling out. And I, <laughs> so, um, and then I went on this coding course, and it's just the most, it was the most brilliant thing I ever did. Just one day, um, and it's by Decoded, it's called Code in a Day, um, and... You don't really, it's technically you learn to code, you don't really learn to code, mm-hmm. you learn, um, you just learn to speak the language a little bit. So you build, I built an app during the day, but I didn't build the app. They, what? No, exactly, they teach you to build an app, but you don't build the app, they, they you build the app with them leaning over you, showing okay. you but you just learn the basics. Yeah. And it was just, it's such a cliche, but it was like a massive light bulb moment, it was mm-hmm. like, there is going to be a future and it's going to be here, and if I stay in my lovely office with, you know, on my lovely magazine, with my lovely staff, um, truthfully managing decline, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be part of it. And we were already finding that things, other people who did content like Ness Porter and Mumsnet and School of Life, were just a lot more agile, mm-hmm. and us didn't have to keep going to board meetings to ask permission to spend more quid, mm-hmm. you know. So I left, which was a bit scary, uh, and just started thinking about talk, thinking about what I would use. And I think the thing that I noticed the most was the minute that I was on gardening leave. So it sounds fantastic being paid to sit at home and watch the telly, but it was actually horrible. Um, I never ever went in a new 
news agent. I never went anywhere where a magazine was because I wasn't going through a, I wasn't going through a station every day. Mm. My life ceased to interact with magazines. How interesting. And I figured, well, if that's me, it's also everybody else. Yeah. So um, Lauren and I got together uh, two or three months later. We already knew each other. I don't know if you know the... No, the I don't know the Lauren Sam story. story. So um, I, was, uh, and I was editing Red and the... would have been two years before this, the February cover star fell off as they often do at the last minute. And I tweeted in desperation, mm-hmm. you know, oh God, anybody want to be on the February cover? And Lauren peeped, piped up, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I mean, clearly she was joking, because she was on maternity and she had a baby like three weeks earlier or something. Right. But I didn't let that stop me. So she was on the February cover. <gasps> and I think feeling like, oh my God, what do I look like? I just gave birth. But, um, and we just hit it off yeah. from there. So. Uh, became friends, she had a column in Red for a while, um, I left and then she eventually left and that wasn't planned, it was just, it, you know, mm. just how it panned out. And we just started talking about what we did, how we felt about the internet, what we would use if it existed, our relationships with um, our respective audiences, hers from Six Music and mine mm-hmm. from Red, through Twitter. And I think that at that time, Twitter's changed a lot in the last four years, but at that time it was still a place you could have a really, really good conversation. Mm. Um, and I think you're either one, you're one of two sorts of people. You either consider that a great opportunity and a massive privilege, or you consider it a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I can't say it wasn't a pain in the ass. I know people asking me where they could get a dress for a wedding a week a week Saturday with, that would cover up the top of their arms but would be under 100 quid and it would be on the high street mm-hmm. and I'd be answering that on a Saturday night but at the same time that this business would not have been able to launch without that access mm. because we had very little money we had some investment but we didn't have marketing budgets so all of our all of our initial reach was all through organically through Twitter seriously so all of our marketing was done for nothing through Twitter um until I think we got to about 250,000 monthly uniques before we started to spend a little bit of money promoting on Facebook. Anyway, I've jumped right ahead and I'm probably boring you. No, 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 I'm fascinated. But we just, so we literally, honestly, we just talked to people about what they were, people, by people, really women, mm-hmm. mainly late 20s upwards, mm-hmm. about what they would use if it existed, what they wanted, how the internet made them feel shit in the main hate what they hated they hated comments they hated being trolled they hated having to troll through acres of shit on mm-hmm. twitter to find one thing to read um and we set about putting those things into one place and during that time so this was about four years ago uh th- yeah three and a half four years ago um mobile exploded mm. so it went from being a thing that everybody used to being a thing that was welded to people's arms and mm. you could sit, stand on a train or in prep and every single person on the queue was on their phone. Yeah. And so it was not the work of a genius to say, well, what if we took what we know how to do, which is make great content for the audience that we know how to speak to and that we can easily reach and we put it where they are, which is right here. Mm. So that's what we did, really. And we just talked to the audience about what they wanted, where their heads were at different times of the day, mm-hmm. different days of the week, 
you know, and built the content around that. And here, scroll forward. Because for people who um, don't know the pool, and I would be surprised if they're only listening to this, um, all of the features have a minute marker at the top. They tell you how many minute, or how long a read it is. So, is it two to six minutes? I think is. Yeah, broadly. I mean, there's, there's a kind of an internet received wisdom that things have to either be really short or really long. Right. Um, and that's just one of the many things that we decided to ignore. <laughs> so lots of things that we did at the beginning, I think a lot of people thought we were a bit nuts. But what's been borne out is that our, our key sweet spot really is four to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And our average dwell time on a post has just gone over five minutes. Oh, wow. So that's people active, you know, engaging with a piece of content for more than five minutes yeah. every time they read something. And I was saying to Sam before we started recording, um, I was asking how old the site was, and I sort of went four, and it's been in development for four years, or it's been happening for four years, yeah, but it's been live for two. Yeah. But I don't feel like I can remember a time before the pool, partly because I like it on Facebook, and it comes up in my feed constantly, and I've noticed that the interaction on something like Facebook is massive. It's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. I've got a friend who is... Um, just gone on maternity leave and she's she's taken Twitter off her phone because it depresses her too much (laughs) but she said that sometimes she starts looking at the Facebook feed and she 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 literally can't put it down because it's uh, I mean we hardly ever get involved Mm. it's completely self-regulating a massive kind of conversation you used to have on Twitter four years ago now takes place on Facebook it can get really angry really rabid it, or really, really positive, yeah. and people, it self-regulates. So somebody will say, "Oh, you're, you know, and yet yeah, another moronic feature from the pool," and someone else will go, "Have you actually read this feature?" It's like, <laughs> and it's, it's just, I would watch it all day if I could. What's but we don't have comment on the site, and that's why. Yeah. Well, well, two reasons really. One was that we didn't want to have, we didn't want people to be able to post abuse on the site. Mm. We wanted the pool to be a nice safe space for yeah. our audience but also we wanted people to have those conversations in public mm. good bad indifferent say how much you love us actually say you think that's crap say it all in public that's mm. good because you know the wider the conversation the better is there a piece is, is there a piece of editorial that has continued to just be a very popular read regardless of the time of when it, obviously it might have been published six months ago but it's still as relevant is there a stand-up oh. piece of editorial? Well, <laughs> we had, um, it, it's not so much now, but we had this piece, which was our first piece ever that went viral, which is affectionately known in the office as Caroline's Vagina, um, because it was about Caroline's Vagina. Paul Caroline's was our social media manager, um, and it's basically about cervical smears and mm-hmm. not having a cervical smear test. And it was the first piece that just travelled globally it it was popular on e- uh, with the audience who come through email every morning we have to stay in through email which drops at 7.30 every day mm. it was popular on Facebook, it was popular on Twitter and it just kept reappearing and it was really I don't know whether you see this but on Facebook and on Twitter, it tends to be two sorts of content, there's this, the content that gets shared a lot mm-hmm. and nobody reads it Mm-hmm. And I kind of I kind of call that like show off sharing, 
and it's like oh buying a designer handbag. Yeah, or it's like, well, it's a bit more worthy. It's it's like we had a piece about uh, Calais um, that Dorno Porter wrote for us, and it was shared over a million times. Two and a half thousand people read that piece. Because <laughs> they just wanted it on their feed. They just want to go, I'm a person who cares about the Calais camps. And then you've got that polar opposite of that, which is pieces that are really, really, you know, hundreds of thousands of click-throughs, massive dwell time. Nobody shares it because it's more of a... It's not really something I want to broadcast, but it's something I want to engage with. Mm. And they, those people might... They might tag one friend... And it might be, oh, this, this is that thing we were talking about the other day. Or did you see this? This might be relevant to you. And very few pieces do both. Yeah. Some people's pieces do. Caroline's vagina did. <laughs> <laughs> but we've moved on from that now. We've moved on from that piece. But that was the piece that for the first year was the butt of many, many office jokes. I mean, poor girl, when she left, um, quite recently, it was, you know, her leaving card was blasted <laughs> in it. Yeah. She had a plastic one from Secret Santa, you know. Oh, bless. Sorry. Editorial leaving cards are the best. Oh, but, yeah. um, I wish I'd saved all of mine. Oh, yeah. I've got mine in a filing cabinet somewhere. Get them out for rainy days. <laughs> um, with the book, like, you mentioned Twitter a few times. What do you think has changed with Twitter? Because you said that there has been a change. things I think one is that it became so vile mm. that people stopped spending so much time there a lot of people I know had abandoned Facebook went back to Facebook yeah as a place to have a conversation but what that has meant which I think is quite interesting is that um I arguably Twitter is a bit less vile than it used to be mm. and the problem I don't think is social media I think the problem is people you know so they've kind of taken the vileness to Facebook with them yeah so Facebook is a bit less pleasant, but it is where the conversation happens. Twitter used to be where the conversation happens. Facebook used to be where the baby photos happened. And, the yeah. and, and it's where you kept in touch with who'd got married, who'd got divorced, yeah. who, who'd had twins. And now that's Instagram, or Yeah, it? now that's more Instagram, but only the very, very pretty pictures of, of twins and marriages and holidays and salads. Now, yeah. talk to me about that, because uh, this has come up a few times on the podcast, and it came up in the one that I recorded just before you, which is the distorted reality of Instagram, mm. or social media, brackets, specifically Instagram. Specifically Instagram, yeah, because it doesn't happen on Facebook a bit, just because people cross post don't they but not twitter twitter's more of a news feed now mm. um i just had breakfast with a lovely beauty pr which i don't do very often anymore it used to be a nice part of my life i do it <laughs> once in the blue moon now and she was saying about posting a picture of a salad on instagram and she obviously only posted it because it was a very very aesthetically pleasing salad <laughs> which is like a once in a blue moon salad a rainbow salad uh, yeah i think it looked a bit moroccan she said um, but then one of her friends said oh my salads never look like that like, well, no, nor do mine. But that was my Instagram-friendly salad, you know. And I think people forget that you only post the... The best. The, the best. It's, um, like our news and content editor, Lynn, has just been in uh, California for two weeks at a friend's wedding, and I'm driving the coast, and it's all been... So cool. It's all been California on her Instagram, and everybody hates it. <laughs> um, and it, it's, you know, it's that's what you do, isn't it? You fo- you post the picture when you're on holiday of your immaculately painted toenails and the blue sea and the blue sky. Mm. You don't... I'm not going to post this picture now. Not that there's anything 
unesthetically pleasing about you and the whiteboard behind you. <laughs> that's just not what Instagram is for, is it? No, and I, I don't think anyone. I was scrolling through it the other day and sort of because the whole point of it is that you can curate the feed that you want to see. So although can you so much now? Now they curate it. Well, I think you can um you you can follow people that you oh, want to yes, see. Yeah. Um, so you can avoid the people who set your teeth on edge. But I was going through and looking at various people and just thinking, people are in their free time or in their work time or whatever, curating the kind of images that used to be seen in the spreads of magazines. Like you see girls on holiday and they've obviously got someone, whoever, to take a picture of them sort of mid-turn so that their skirt's billowing out and their hair's doing a certain thing. And it's so distorted because that's the kind of picture that used to be in massive fashion spreads in beautiful magazines. Yeah, I mean, there's one, uh, one person in this office who will remain nameless um, who I noticed at the weekend that mm-hmm. whenever she has a photo taken with her friends, she's always on, there's a group of three, she's always on this end, sorry, the, so this end on the right, as mm-hmm. you look at it, um, and she's always side on, but turning back towards the camera. And so once I noticed it, I spent like a sad <laughs> couple of minutes going through her Instagram feed, and, and, and every single photo is like that. So, she, you know, that kind of, I mean, you know how you're meant to stand in a photo, but mm-hmm. really, no, I know. I, I think the, the best one is when you look at any pap shots, well, not pap shots, like red carpet pictures, and girls now... Oh, Angelina's leg. Co- no, it's not, it's not the out leg, it's the cocked leg over the, over the front to give okay, the appearance yeah. of thinner legs. It's, everybody does that sort of slightly cocked up leg. And a slightly side arm. So whenever you, and the number of times you have your photo taken and they say, no, no, face on, and you're like, no, no, side <laughs> Just slightly, just like a little bit. And the twist, and Victoria Beckham was, is the greatest because she actually stands with her legs really quite far apart, but they're one in front of the other. She's almost like she's on a um, wire. Oh, yeah, and then she grabs her waist and puts her arms out, so she just gives the illusion of just being like I mean, a fashion drawing. And it's harder to do than it looks. Fair play to VV, because actually you do think you're going to fall over. It's not, it's not the easy. You do feel like you're one of those tumble toys. <laughs> but yeah, um, distortion. I want to actually get down from this stupid high stool I'm sat on and try it. I'm going to try it. Do it. it. Do I'm it. Try it. So, so imagine you're on a, on a, on a tightrope. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. But further, legs, feet need to be further apart. Yeah. That's already, I'm already doing like a half. Okay. Then you, okay, well, like that. No, then, you really. <laughs> then you dip one hip. She does this in heels, remember, and then she dips the hip, <laughs> and then she cinches her waist with her so fingers. She dips that hip. I think so. <laughs> Hang on. Now I'm going to have to get up and do it. This is a very visual podcast. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Oh, that like that. Oh yeah, I got it. But so fair play I to be stand up. It's really, really hard. You do, that's why she's never smiling because she's like worried <laughs> she's going to fall over at any moment. She's concentrating so hard. Respect to models is what I always say. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so with the pool, um, like I said, I can't remember a time. I feel like I can't remember a time before it, and I feel like if you hang on, I wrote down your mission statement or oh, snippets God, from you? it. Oh God, did I can't even remember it. We're positive and honest online allies, which I yes. would say is damn true. Oh, thank you. Um, 
what when you say you're commissioning a writer or you're saying saying someone wants to write for you and you are telling them what the tone is how would you brief them how would you say this is how you speak to the pool audience well what we what we tend to say is um forget what you've learned writing for women's magazines and forget what you've learned writing for newspapers Mm -hmm. we really want to hear your voice so what typically happens, even with really, really experienced journalists, is that the first time, depending on their background, the first um, draft is either really women's magazine-y mm-hmm. or really newspaper-y. And then goes back, the second draft will then be the reverse. Mm-hmm. So either much more formal or much more what I would call magazine-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third time, if they're going to get it right, it often the first time takes three times. Um, it will be that they get that you actually, I want to hear your voice. I want mm. you to come through. Yeah. Because what, what we're about is celebrating women's voices. Mm-hmm. We really, truly want to do that. Um, and, you know, we always pay for content because we publish, you know, we set out right from the beginning to not throw loads and loads of crap at a wall and hope something sticks. So. Mm either not pay or pay very little and publish mm-hmm. everything that comes our way. I think some people think we're stuck up because we don't publish every single thing we get sent. But we're a startup, we haven't got much money and it's really important to pay properly because mm-hmm. this is people's livelihoods. Yeah. So, you know, we don't publish everything we're given. Mm. We, we only publish a few things each day. Um, and we want those to really be worth the user's time. So yeah. we want to be, you know, you mentioned the... Um, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes at the top of every article or video, that's because we we understand that we're fighting every minute of every day for your eyeballs. Mm. So we want to be respectful of your time and we say that if we're saying this will take you three minutes and you give us your three minutes, because that's what you're giving us, you're giving us your time, it's worth your time. Mm. So we put a lot of effort into getting things right and I think that right according to what we think is right. Um, And I think that you know, the thing that, the quote that you read out and the thing that people say all the time about us getting in their heads or saying what they were thinking or putting something into words that they didn't quite know that they were thinking, that comes from, I think, the writer's voice mm. and it's speaking like, speak human. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things we, we said right at the beginning, speak human, no jargon, no logs, no tresses, no talons. I hate those words. I hate them. Hate them. So no jargon, no um, no talking down to people. Just talk like you would talk to your friends. So with Frankie, who's the fashion and beauty editor, when she started, um, she put together her first shopping gallery. So the weekend shopping fix, which goes out on a Friday lunchtime, it's really really popular. Loads mm. of people shop from it every week. The first one she did, I know she won't mind me saying this wasn't very good and I kind of said to her Franks do you do you really like those things that you put in that gallery and she was like well no but I thought that I would have to include them and they were I'm not going to name brands Mm -hmm. but they were the usual suspects the ones you see all over the magazines and they all advertise Mm -hmm. and because it's a it's an exchange you know kind of cash for credits yeah. ultimately 
Um, and we don't, we don't do that. So I said, well, okay, why don't you go back and redo this with stuff you really like in it? Mm. Stuff that you would, would buy, like right now, if mm-hmm. you could. Um, and she did that, and it was like a revelation. It was a revelation to the user, mm. because it was stuff they, they could afford in the main, mm. stuff that you, know, you could buy right now, and, and stuff that someone like you really liked. And so we, I encourage everybody in the office and every freelancer to pitch things they're really interested in. Mm. And so whilst the team have got a really clear idea of who the audience is, and different audiences come in different ways, so the Today in 3 email subscriber um, is slightly different to the audience who comes in through Twitter, mm. who might be more news-focused, more, this is outrageous. You know, maybe a bit younger, more more digital native. Um, so be mindful of those different audiences and what they're interested in. But if it's not interesting to you, it's not interesting. Mm. So if you're not interested, why are we doing it? You know, we approach everything in that way, um, and that seems to work. It's great, though. Isn't that isn't that brilliant? Not shoehorning in anything. So everything comes from. And I've talked about this before in the podcast about if you are, if your output is authentic, then you'll keep wanting to do it. But you'll attract the right audience. The audience will find you. Yeah, exactly. And I think the same goes for the work that we do with brands. And we always say to the brands, you know, because some brands are more um, uh, how do I put it, hands off than mm-hmm. others. But we always say to them, you know, if you work with us. We don't carry display. What we're saying is, why do you keep wanting to shout in the middle of people's conversations? Mm. Which is what digital display does. It's what pop-ups do. I hate all of that stuff. And there's a really brilliant statistic, which is my favourite statistic in the world and probably isn't true, um, that you're more likely to survive a plane crash than to clip on a digital display ad on purpose. It's probably not true, but I love it. (laughs) Digital display ad for listeners who maybe aren't aware of of those adverts that crop up in the middle of the copy that you're reading. Yeah, when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to read a a thing on your phone and it pops up in the middle, Mm. unless you've got your ad blocker turned on. So we don't do any of those. What we do is we we make content for brands that is stuff that we think that the audience will be interested in. Mm. So, um, and the more they let us get on with it, the more successful it is because mm. and you know you need to be really transparent so the number of whenever we research with our users they always say i don't care if the content is branded or not as long as i know it is yeah and that's you know so that honesty mm. is really important and i think people they kind of don't mind too much who's paid for it as long as they know yeah you don't want to find out at the end I think it's really interesting that sort of blend of print and online and also the fact that um, as and previous to the pool coming up there was a lot of, there were a lot of editorial sites being created by bloggers who were all very transparent about what they were doing and how that became a favored sort of uh, way for people to engage and it's this the fact that the pool has been able to find this blend of all the good things from online content and how to create and curate online content with all the things that are really good about magazine content and you've managed to sort of mix it all together. Is that how it feels? Yeah, well that's, I can't tell you how happy that makes me, because that was literally what we set out to do. (laughs) So we, you know, in the first instance Lauren and I were sat, literally sat in a cupboard saying, you know, what 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It does and doesn't work about magazines because I do believe that there's an appetite, appetite for well-curated content. Mm. But people just want to pick the, you know, the reason that so many bloggers became successful is because people wanted to choose their own influencer, yeah. if you like. And there's no greater influencer than an editor mm. who does that well. And magazines, I still think, are unparalleled in terms of creating an emotional relationship with their audience. Mm. I mean, the last magazine I worked on, the it, the audience literally used to stroke it. Mm. They used to go, I love in research groups, they'd go, I love it, and they mm. would stroke it. And then that last time I saw that happen, it was with a mobile phone. <laughs> so that had kind of shifted. But So I think magazines were very good at creating an emotional relationship. And then radio, which obviously Lauren's background, you know, narrow casting, which six music as opposed to broadcasting. I mean, I mean, the internet's very good at broadcasting, look at BuzzFeed and the mail mm. and all of that. But narrow casting has been growing and growing and growing. So that kind of audience of one. Mm. And if you think about how a radio show is built, it's built, you know, you might like Lauren's show in the morning on six music, or you might always listen to the slave program. You know broadly what you're going to get because of the tone. Mm. And then certain days of the week, at certain times, certain things always happen. So on the Radio 4 Today programme at 7.45, you get thought for the day. You might either turn on for that or off for that, you know, depending on how you feel. Um, you know, on Lauren's show on Six Music, you get, on Friday mornings, you get Desert Island Disco um, at about 11, I think. Um, and if you follow any um, regular daily radio show, the mood changes throughout the week, and that's how we put the pool together. So on Monday, you're a bit like, oh God, it's Monday. Tuesday, you're like, going for it, it's Tuesday. Mm -hmm. In the week now, this is what's happening. Wednesday is kind of the same. Thursday, we're over halfway, so we can start to think about it nearly being over. Friday, forget it, I'm out of here. <laughs> Saturday mornings, it's like a beginning of the weekend, very mum crowd, Saturday mornings. Sunday evening back to school, so we see a big peak Sunday and then so if you think about that, the way that a daily radio programme is built and that's how we built the pool and then we brought in and then we wanted to, you know, we brought in somebody who knew more about digital than me, um, to look at what was happening on mobile and to so to deliver that, those two combinations of things right here mm -hmm. where you are. And then we designed it with with a magazine sensibility. Yeah. 
So most sites that are built for mobile and designed for mobile look crap on desktop. They look like a car crash. Mm. And we wanted... I mean, I do think the pool looks better on mobile, but, you know, we wanted you to have the same experience wherever you were. So we started with mobile, but then we built it up. Um, And that's why it's not an app as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... you can download it onto your phone as a web-based app, but because we want you to be able to have the same, not to have a, one iteration of the pool here on your phone and then a completely different yeah. experience on desktop, we want it to be the same. So it was kind of bringing a magazine sensibility to, to and, and then laying that over a broadcasting delivery system and putting it on mobile. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I always get the sense when I read it, the word, I know, I always used to say this on magazines, is that some pictures need a full bleak because you need the picture to breathe, it needs room. And I feel like whether you, I'm reading it on my laptop or whether I'm reading it on my phone, I always feel like the words have space to breathe. Yes, right. So it wants it not to be like an onslaught because that mm-hmm. was, uh, when we were talking to, we talked to hundreds, had hundreds of cups of coffee, <laughs> and they all, um, and one of the words nearly all of them said about the internet was that they felt overwhelmed, swamped, onslaught, and partly that was to do with the amount of content, mm. but partly it was to do with the way it's presented as well, the, the pop-up ads, the, you know, the kind of cacophony of, because the user journey is so important, mm. and obviously we've thought really hard about where someone goes after they've come in and how to get them yeah. to stay. But I don't, excuse me, I don't believe the best way to get them to stay is to force them mm. onto the next thing. So we worked really hard on that. But I think the, the thing that's important to me is that it's in, I don't think of the pool in any way as, as a magazine, I think of it as a broadcast, mm-hmm. as a daily broadcast. And, um, you know, for anyone who has worked in magazines would know this, but if you haven't, the magazine is literally put together with a flat plan which is exactly what it says on the tin it's a flat plan mm. and you lie out on the floor and you shuffle the pages around and the pool is round so it's built like a radio show <laughs> and we plan it in circles and radio shows are planned with hours and we plan our days in circles of 12 hours to lots of 12 hours I won't go and get anyone they used to be on the wall because we used to literally plan three weeks at a time but I was fighting a losing battle, so we've just moved office and I've given up putting them on the wall because I was the only one filling them in. How interesting. I didn't think about that, planning them in a round. I can show you. You won't be able to see it, but Emma will be able to see it. Maybe I can uh, take a picture and put it on the web page. I'm actually... This is fascinating. I've seen many flat plans in my time, but I've never seen a round. So that's a Monday. Oh, wow. And certain things happen at certain times of the day, you see? And then the weekend looks different, but each day looks like that. I love that. I love yes. that. I might have to take a snap of that for the web page so that people can see what we're talking about yeah, when we talk exactly. about the round. It's not very helpful being visual when no one can see what you're talking about. So I think one of the things I'm always really interested about with people, because this is it's your career, you've been doing it for a long time, but this was, you had your light bulb moment and there was an element of passion in here, which I'm sure there's always been in your career, but this was a new, a new love affair. Scary. <laughs> was it? Was it terrifying? Bloody terrifying, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, the thing is, I have been a journalist and editing magazines for a really long time, but this is completely different. Mm. It is completely different. And I think, 
Is that the point? The second book or the second second album is hard. It's because mm. the first time you do it, you don't know what you don't know, mm. and the second time you do know what you don't know. So to a certain extent, I went into this not with my eyes shut, but without the full understanding of what I didn't know. I mean, I'd done business plans before. I'd recruited teams. I'd had to meet deadlines, I've been responsible for profit and loss and all of that stuff. But <coughs> this was like build starting a business from scratch mm. with like literally nothing. I've just been listening to um, the audio book of The Upstarts, which is the book about um, uh, Uber and Airbnb. Oh, wow. What tossers, honestly. <laughs> Um, but I'm allowed to swear on this, aren't I? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I have been trying not to. <laughs> no, there's a lovely out. little button on uh, iTunes, you just click explicit. <laughs> oh, well, that's only really bad ones. No, no, no. Um, and, but there's a bit, a moment where the author is saying about how you just have to will it into existence. Mm. And I don't think the pool, it's not, um, in, you know, I mean, we'd, yeah, we'd love it to be a female vice you know, in terms of scale as we grow. But, you know, as there comes a point when something, it happens just because you make it happen. Mm. And you just, you just have to make it. Mm. And there's, you know, you literally have to will it alive. And there's no other way of describing it, really. And I guess if you believe in it, while there may be fear that this is a new platform, I'm using a different medium, but, like, but if you really believe in something... I think there's a combination of belief. I mean, I, I truly believed that there was an appetite amongst our audience for great, relevant content on their phone mm-hmm. right now. I, abs- I absolutely believe that. Um, we had a lot of people, so we had the digital people saying, you can't broadcast content, you can't tell people when they can have it, you just have they want it now. Mm. You can't say you can't have this till four. But apart from the people before we launched, nobody's ever said that since. Mm. Um, you know, with the magazine people didn't believe in us um, because they knew that there was a problem, but they didn't know what the answer was, and they didn't, you know, mm. I hope this is the answer. I always believed it was an answer. Mm. Um, but we did just ignore everything that people said. But partly, I think, because we kind of had to, because I remember my brother saying to me when I was like, having a breakdown, um, I went on garden leave at Christmas, and then the wilderness of January hit. And I was That's a tough time to be free I couldn't afford to be in with my brother, who paid, luckily. Um, and he's, and he, he's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Worst, you know, you just screw up and you go back and get a job in a year's time. And yeah, that is one way of looking at it, and yeah. that's absolutely true. But the flip side of that was I had just given up a really, really good job, so I felt like I couldn't mm. fail, or I couldn't at least not be seen to have tried. Yeah. So it's just a, a certain amount of, I felt like I had to as well once I'd done yeah. it. So on the one hand, I really believed in it, actually, yeah. but the other side of that was, well, I've done it now, mm. so I, I have to... I also think that when you, if you tell people, I'm going to do this, I had this with the podcast, if you tell people, they'll give you a million reasons why you shouldn't do it. Yeah. A million. Like, have you got a studio? Are you going to do this? Are you with that person? Have that behind them? And 
it's overcoming that as well. It's just if you if you just believe it, just sh shutting out that noise. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah. I mean, I think nine times out of ten, if you listen to people, then you're not going to ever do anything. Mm. I mean, one um, one of the things that starting a business has really taught me is how generous the startup community can be, actually, because nobody knows how hard being a founder is except for other founders, mm. and they really know how hard it is. Um, and one one person said to me, the thing you have to remember is that there's no such thing as advice. And this, I mean, and I say this, I'm giving you this advice, mm. knowing this, that it's there's no such thing as advice. Every piece of advice is a person's opinion. Yeah. And so if you take every single piece of advice as just someone's opinion, then you can decide whether or not it's going to be your opinion. And it's really, that's a really valuable thing because wow. it makes me think, yeah, that's what you think. And yeah, I agree with you. Or, but I think something different. Yeah. Or, and that's... That's okay. Yeah. And actually, I think if you're a bit of a people pleaser and a little bit, I don't really like confrontation. Mm. And when I was a kid, I was a good girl, you know. And the last thing you want, you know, for someone to go out on a limb like this and, you know, parents are mad and, you know. Well, I was saying to you before, I've known your name for years. I think I wrote to you asking for jobs, like back at, like on paper, not email, on paper. Oh my God, in green pen. On striking paper with green pen. You remember? Yeah, with a heart over the eye. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't think that was you, I think it was someone else. <laughs> you would have remembered the ridiculous surname. But um <laughs> But you um you've been doing you've been in this business for a long time. You've established a name and you're also a published author. How uh, many how many books do you have under your belt by the way? Five. Right. Five. How the hell do you do it? Um well I kinda I kind of I think honestly, I think the same thing applies. Just, you just kind of get on with it mm. and do it. And I, I mean, to be really honest, the first book I wrote was when I was, um, I was editing a magazine, I won't say which one, and I'd been editing it for five years. And five, six years is about my threshold, mm. a bit. If, I'm, if I feel like I'm not learning, I'm a compulsive learner. Mm. Um, and I also wanted to, I didn't like the feeling of not having a plan B ever. Mm. So part of the reason I started writing, and, and all novelists would laugh if they were listening to this, because start of the, I don't know anybody who thinks writing a novel is a plan B is clearly an idiot, now, <laughs> because it's um, it's hard work if you pay crap. <laughs> so, like, so if you're thinking write a novel for love, and because you really really have to, don't write it for money, because it's not that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to shut them up? No, they they they're all right. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so the first one I wrote whilst doing a day job, the second one I wrote in a gap between jobs, and then at that point I realised I wasn't cut out to freelance, really, because I think that structure, I mean, I'm institutionalised, so I'm rubbish at freelancing, rubbish at freelancing, I can't really? get myself out of bed. It's hard, it's really hard. And I'm not crazily social. I kind of found that what I liked is I don't really, I don't need to be socialising and down the pub with people, but I like to be around people who are doing it. Mm. Mm. And that was also, that was pre-Twitter, and I do think Twitter changed. Um, sorry, distracted by someone talking over that. <laughs> Twitter changed the experience of freelancing a bit, because you're not so lonely. Mm. 
Um, and I kind of went through that cycle a bit with um, the fourth book I had to take a sabbatical from Red. So the guy who was my boss at the time let me take a, just a month, I took a month out to finish it. But apart from that, I've always done it. Was it, was it just, because uh, we've all heard the expression, everyone's got a book in them. Do you believe that's true? I think most people's books should stay in them. And that <laughs> might well be the case for mine as well. And let's be honest. There are, uh, you know, now, obviously we do Bedtime Book Club on the pool, which mm. is really, really popular. But now, I mean, that, um, just over to the side, there's a bookcase. Um, and that's April, that's April, May and June, mm-hmm. the top three shelves. And that is just a fraction of the stuff that comes to me because most stuff comes to my house. Wow. Um, and my spare bedroom is completely... Oh, yeah, I've got a spare bedroom. Sorry, I know that makes me like, massively overprivileged. Um, it's absolutely full of books. There are too many books in the world. And I say that as a person who loves books. And I'm, I'm conscious that I might have contributed to that too many booksness. <laughs> the book but, problem. You know, the book problem, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, interesting, because when Sally Hughes came on this podcast, I asked her about writing Pretty Honest and Pretty Iconic. Mm. And you, Sally is a columnist on The Pool, so yes, I'm sure you yeah. know her very well. Yes, yeah. And I love the fact that she just said, if you, if, you've got to, if you want to write it, write it. Yeah, exactly. Just write it, because if someone else writes something even close to your idea, you'll be livid. Yeah, exactly. I remember Sally and I talking about it, because a book, uh, the whole thing is 100,000 words or 80,000 words, that's a lot of words, mm-hmm. and it's, this is such a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. When um, I was editing Just 17, I was sent on a management training course. Uh, ugh, horrible. Um, but one of the things, the woman who took the course, and this is so management training course, but it's, it's really, really useful. Um, she says, okay, how do you eat an elephant? And we all, I know, that face that you're making at me now, um, we all made that face at her. And then she said, one mouthful at a time. And honestly, it's so stuck in my mind because that's completely true. That's how we launched the pool. If you just look, here's nothing, here's the pool. Mm. You, you can't possibly do that. And if you look at a book and go, I've been right there, how are you going to do that? Mm. I remember Sally and I talking about that. And we said, well, you know, the chapter's two and a half, three thousand words. That's a feature. Mm. So just write, you know, 25 features. I said, well, yeah, I can do that. Mm then it just becomes more manageable. I sound like I've got it all together and I totally haven't. It's when I'm not like, <laughs> wake at 3am in the morning rocking, you know. <laughs> Do you, it's, there's a very newsy element to the, uh, the, the podcast, to the website. Um, do you, are you constantly latched onto a, a new source or do you, do you do that thing of wanting to be first or would you rather respond intelligently to what's going on? We don't really try to be uh, first. I mean, the news content on the pool has evolved. In the beginning, we tried harder to be first, which was ludicrous since there were like two of them and me. <laughs> um, and we also tried harder not to be so female-focused. But then, as we increasingly asked ourselves every day, why would someone come to us for that? How would that make her feel? Why would she read this here and not somewhere else? And we set out all along to not um, to not want we don't want people to read something and just go I saw it on the internet. We want people to read something and go I saw this on the pool. Mm-hmm. 
somebody's now eating crisps. They're actually, um, they were sent to us by a brand called Hippies. Sorry, this is like a public service announcement. And they're like chickpea crisps. Jury's out. Yeah, jury's out. <laughs> jury's out. Um, anyway, sorry, digress. So, um, what we do, I think what we do is views rather than news. Mm. Um, we try not to do too much of a hot take. Mm-hmm. So the way our news drop in the morning is put together. The emphasis really used to be on dropping at exactly the right time. And now we drop content all through the morning, starting with headlines at half nine. And then the last piece of news content we usually drop around lunchtime, and that would be a mixture of slightly longer view things that were dropped, uh, that were commissioned maybe the day before, mm-hmm. or very early, eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and we have a conference at 9.30, and then we write between 10 and 12. And then we also commission stuff for the email, and again for the next morning at mm-hmm. that point. So we try to have a balance of, we've just seen this thing, mm-hmm. can you believe this? And this happened yesterday and then we were thinking this yeah so we have either it's got to be right now here it is bang mm-hmm. um, and that'll be like a 30 seconds one minute piece or it's got to be moving the story on mm-hmm. or finding a story that's relevant but we have had quite a lot particularly things that have surprised me really on facebook in the beginning things that were popular were more emotional life work love sex type mm. content but gradually we found that political content that they might not have been aware of mm. that we've drawn to their attention has done really really yeah. well on Facebook so we've had a lot of success with Philip Davis for our sins <laughs> <laughs> I like to think we've played a small part in making people realise just how obnoxious he is <laughs> well I was um, it's an interesting political time understatement of the day and I interviewed Georgia Arnold who's the uh, executive director of the Staying Alive Foundation, MTV Staying Alive Foundation and she was commenting on that and saying the best thing about what's happening right now, the fact that Trump is president and everything else is that it's turning people into activists and actually it's making people want to be engaged and informed in a way that perhaps they've not that they've not had to be, but there's been no penalty for not being. Yes, yeah. I think people always... It's like that old thing, isn't it? We don't need, we don't need feminism because that's all done. There's mm. nothing to fight for. Um, people always, you know, obviously people, women in the West, white Western women, could say that without looking outside their own door. Mm. That might be the case, although I would argue that it wasn't. But now, you know, now you literally only have to wake up to look at what's happening every minute of mm. every day in the world's biggest at the moment superpower so yeah I mean that's completely changed everything and I think we the, that's like we used to sit on the fence more mm. but once that happened we just stopped trying to sit on the fence just like you know you can't you can't I don't think and it's a good conversation to be having and to be putting out there yeah, definitely. I mean, we often talk about the fact that, you know, especially this time last year, no, last six months ago, covering Trump nearly every day, and then, mm. you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because are you giving him airtime? I mean, we're on the office slack. So this time last year, we were just coming up to the Brexit referendum, wasn't it? And, oh, I can't think about that. Um, mm. And we were mentioning, we realised we were mentioning Boris Johnson so often that... Um, 
Liz, who was our project manager at the time, actually set up a bot on Slack. So everybody mentioned, every time somebody mentioned Boris Johnson, because we needed a picture for him or writing a piece, um, the Slack bot would pop up and say, not effing Boris Johnson. <laughs> and then that drifted away, because we stopped talking about Boris Johnson all the time. And then he came up again a few weeks ago, and somebody typed in Slack, oh, I need this picture. And all of a sudden, the Slack bot was there going, not effing Boris Johnson again. And it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with that. That's just... The cyclical nature. Yeah, the cyclical nature of it. It's, it's just a really... It's a really weird time, but I think it's been, I don't know, the first time, the first election, so the last general election was two months after we launched, mm. and that was, it, that was tough, but we had to find out what the point of us was. Mm. That's that a baptism of fire. Real baptism of fire. Um, and it was, that was tough, and then the next, obviously last year we had Brexit referendum, and then we had, and then we had the American election. By then, we were starting to discover what the point of us mm. was. Um, and I think, and someone said to me this morning, I don't necessarily want to troll through the Guardian or the Times or the BBC mm. or Reuters or Twitter. Yeah. To find out what happened last night, and actually, I know, like this morning, we had a piece about Emmanuel Macron and what that, what his. Um, so he's one of the candidates who's gone through with Marine Le Pen in the French election. Um, and they're both kind of outsider candidates. Obviously one's fascist and one isn't. What does that mean? And she said, you know, I feel now that I'm going to get political relevant news content from the pool. Mm. I'm not going to ram it down my throat. It's not for everyone. But I know that if something important has happened, I will find it there. So yeah. that's kind of enough for me. So we've, you know, that's one of the ways in which we've developed that content. Um, and actually, being opinionated works in the right context. Some people don't like everybody's opinions, some people do, you know. But we're open to all opinions. And that's a unique voice. Exactly, it's it is a unique voice, you know. And, and the pool is, is offering a resource and a sort of safe place to get informed. We hope so. I mean, we... I mean, again, that goes right back to the comments at the beginning. You know, it was a real bone of contention in, in the digital world that we turned comments off right from the beginning and we were heavily criticised for it. And then within six months, you know, Vice were turning off comments, Guardian were analysing their own comments policy. But we were doing what our users wanted, which is they just said, I just don't want to be sworn at and abused and threatened every time I go online and most of our writers are women that's not um, it's not a policy mm. it's just how you know, men are welcome uh, but they the number of them who say they're different experience when they write for the pool versus writing mm. for pretty much anyone else you know especially national press mm. it's just a much pleasant more pleasant experience because you know, yeah, they might get abuse on social media. I mean, Lucy, my deputy, went in, I don't know if you saw this story, but she went in Clinton Cards um, and saw, was a, she was buying a card, and there was a card, it was a bear with its legs akimbo, and basically said, um, when you're drunk, you're for anything. Yeah, exactly, that face again. <laughs> and was making a great face. Um, and we were like, she's like, is it me, or is this, is this disgusting, or, you know? And she's like, no, we were like, no, it's disgusting. So we did a piece on it. 
got and it went everywhere. Mm. Mirror, mail, everybody picked it up. I, that was our first real epic experience of trolling. Oh. And it went on for well over a week and the abuse was horrific. It was unbelievable. And, you know, and she was being, you know, I mean, all of this, all of the swear words all of the time, loads of abuse threats. Um, um, but the one that really surprised me was that someone, I had retweeted her, and uh, so it was obviously an orchestrated trolling, um, accused us of being uh, her, but by me as well, so we retweeted it, of being a nonce. And we were like, do you know what nonce means? Do you understand? Go and get your dictionary out, because, you know, this is not what a nonce is. Mm. It was just astonishing, it was astonishing. But because we don't have comments, then we can do that on the site. So the, so the pool stays nice and clean and safe. Yeah, it's probably a better safe, expression, yeah, yeah safe. I, mean, I, don't, so I don't really like the kind of the digital you know, trigger warnings and safe space mm. and all that stuff, but we were trying we were trying to create an environment where people would like to be. Mm. You know. And I think, as I said, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast has looked at it, but if you haven't, you should definitely sign up for the... The, the newsletter. Yeah, the Today in Three newsletter. The Today in Three. Yes, yeah, the hyphenpool.com, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> the hyphenpool.com. And um, I subscribe to that, and what I enjoy most about it is the fact that I can decide, sort of, oh, I'll read that then, or I, I can almost like slot it into my day. You were talking about your readers are giving you their time. You sort of get that, and you can decide, right, okay, that's what I'm going to tap into on my commute, or... I'll give that a long read when I'm having my lunch. Yeah, and yeah it's, or on the weekend. Or yeah, exactly, or you save things. So, um, yes. Um, there's going to be another drop at some point, so I'm going to have to let you get back to your desk. Yeah, but well, they're, hopefully they're all doing a drop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting to you about the pool and how it all came about. It's been oh, fascinating. Thank you for letting me ramble on for hours. And demonstrate VB's excellent pose, <laughs> yeah. which I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate without you here to like style <laughs> to, to navigate. You almost need like a pair of crutches on either side just to you help. Totally do. It's, That's why she takes her kids everywhere. Yes, because yes. they're, they're holding her apart. <laughs> Brooklyn and Romeo are just keeping her and um, keeping her upright. It's um, definitely worth next time you get a set of pat pictures of her on a red carpet see if you can get one from the side and you will see I'm not exaggerating about how far apart her legs are oh god I need to do more yoga oh yes yes don't we all anyway or any yoga <laughs> some yeah, I need to do yoga and stop um, thank you so much for your time it's been such a pleasure okay, thank you Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sam Baker. If you're listening over on iTunes, please do subscribe. But if you want to get in touch with the show, remember that my mailbox is always open. Just email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I cannot wait to hear from you. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.